2: Catholic Cafe. Tom, you looked a little shocked there. No, I'm excited to be here. All right, you should be excited to be here because we've got a great show. How can you not be excited to be in the Catholic Cafe? And indeed, we're sitting in the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe. And you look peppy today. I do look,
0: thank you, I appreciate (laughs) that.
2: You know, I'm peppy. Yes. I'm peppy because we've got such an exciting show today. We we always have exciting shows, but today is really a special day, That's exactly right. You know, typically we've got such a healthy fare on our menu. Yes. We don't usually serve the... Fried foods, but we do have a Franciscan friar here. Oh so man! <laughs> we're thinking that maybe we want to go with the uh, with the greasy stuff today. You you uh, <laughs> you definitely are are in your calling. Anyway, <laughs> we do have uh, Father Bernard Murphy. He's the community servant of the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Father Bernard, welcome to the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe.
0: I'm from New York, but I can't believe how luxurious it really is. Yes, it is fancy. <laughs> Any fancier, I think I might be at home. Well, uh, Tom, I
2: noticed that you've got a napkin with a name on it. What's that all about? You know, they're getting they're getting creative, aren't they? That's that's Gladys. She's our waiter for, excuse me, Gladys, waitress for today. It's an important thing to know the it difference. It's a waitress. That's correct. And uh, she wanted to be sure to have us uh, mention her name. So, Well, Gladys, we've mentioned your name. That's, that's great. That's just wonderful. What we'd like to do is I know there's a lot of folks who are listening who might not be familiar with the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Who are the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal? Sure. What are we
0: renewing? Well, you know, that's a very good question. It's asked of us all the time. Frankly, ourselves. The Franciscans, first of all, were, began, were begun in, in uh, our community, was begun in 1987. A group of uh, Franciscans in the New York metropolitan area who wanted to live a more, well, a more decidedly Franciscan life. We live with the poor, amongst the poor. Uh, We wanted to live in such a way that our lives were identified with them. And really that is the inspiration that St. Francis of Assisi back in the 13th century had. He was a a rich young man, a merchant's son, uh, came from a fairly well-to-do family. And God moved in his heart in a particular way, and he found himself inspired to give up all. And not just to give it up to to live a life of austerity, but to live amongst the poor. And for him, that was the lepers. Uh, They were the outcasts of the society. They were the ones who were living on the the fringe. Uh, And he left all and went to live with them, not simply because he wanted to somehow help them, certainly he was doing that, but he wanted to identify them. In fact, Franciscans, the true name is the Order of Friars Minor. They want to live a life of minority. And so in 1987, these eight friars wanted to live a more intentional Franciscan life. I wouldn't say that we're any better than anybody else, but they wanted to live a life that was uh, amongst the poor, for the poor, with the poor. And so we moved into areas, like the South Bronx, Harlem, uh, Newark, New Jersey. We have other places around the world now. Uh, out of love for Jesus Christ, but seeking to draw them more deeply into that relationship as well.
2: Well, who's involved in your order? It, 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 oh, we're talking about the Franciscan friars, so obviously we know there'd be some friars involved here,
0: but do you also have, are there sisters related to your order? We do have sisters. We also have associates, lay people who are involved with us. So. Uh, originally there were the eight friars. Many people are familiar with Father Benedict Rochelle, uh, Father Stan Fortuna, Father Andrew Apostoli. Uh, they're the kind of who's who in religious life. I'm the who's you, but that's okay. <laughs> 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 but a year later, there were a group of women who said, you know, we see what the friars are about. We see your work. We see who you are, what you're about. We want to live that life as well. And so really under the uh, direction of Father Andrew, one of the original friars, they uh, formed a community and uh, lived separate facilities, separate work, separate ministry, but a similar vision. In addition to that, there were a group of lay people from the, the, the suburbs, from the surrounding areas around New York City who said, you know, these friars are, 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 are making a difference, and we want to be a part of it. And they would come, and they would uh, visit with us, they would work with us, and suddenly they would get involved as well. So really we look at the friars, the sisters, and the associates of the of the renewal. Father Byrne, what, what's the primary charism or, or mission of the friars of the renewal? When the brothers got started, they wanted to be involved with hands-on work with the poor. So one of the essential aspects of our life is that personal human presence to those in need. Uh, it can take all sorts of... Shapes and forms in the South Bronx. We have shelters for the homeless men. Uh, we have a food distribution uh, program. We have an after-school program uh, and sports facility for kids in, in in really in danger of being involved with uh, uh, gangs. We have uh, medical clinics where doctors from local hospitals will come and and give free service to folks. So really, any kind of Uh, personal, hands-on work, ministry with the poor, but we're also involved with evangelization because we believe that you don't merely want to do good things, we want to help people be good people, and so we bring them to a personal relationship with Jesus by evangelizing. Now, as Franciscans, we'll oftentimes say that for us, we want to preach with our lives, and sometimes we use words. And so more our preaching is on the basis of how we live our lives. That's why it's so important for us to live in the neighborhoods with the people, because we identify with them. We say, listen, we understand that life is difficult, and we're there with you. It really is a, a, a ministry of presence and really seeking to live the gospel of love. that says, uh, you know, I'm not just coming in and giving you something that you don't have. I have, you don't. But identifying with them, being present to them, so that we can provide for their needs, but frankly, more importantly, draw them into a relationship with the Lord. That, for us, is is essentially what we want to do.
2: You know, sometimes when you have uh, when you talk to, say, a, a police officer, you know, someone who's in that line of work. Mm-hmm. They might seem to be a little jaded. They might seem to have a negative perception of people because maybe because they're always dealing with that, what, what might be the criminal element, you know, the, the sort of negative side of society. They're always just confronted with that. Well, you guys work in the belly of the beast. I mean, you're right there out on the streets with everyone. Sure. I look at you guys and I see a lot of joy and happiness in your faces. It doesn't look like you're negative and jaded in no, any
0: way. No, not at all. And in fact, I mean, the reality of it is that I've never met a bad person. Now, I I I've met a lot of people who do bad things, but I've never met a bad person. Uh, That's good I, for you, Tom. <laughs> 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 <No kidding. laughs> Quite honestly, I, I regularly say mass at a at a prison in in not too far from our friary in the South Bronx. There are two requirements to get into this place. One, you have to have committed some major crime, murder, uh, robbery of with a deadly weapon, something of that sort Rape And the second thing is you have to be between the ages of 8 and 17 Oh my goodness Wow Now, most of the kids who are in there And it's this facility that holds about 100 It's about 85 men, 15, well, boys and 15 girls I go into this place and I'll say say mass But beforehand, I'll oftentimes hear confessions One day I was in there, and actually it was kind of funny. The missionaries of charity were with me, and one of the sisters says, Oh, Father, I think they'd like to go to confession. I said, Well, that's fine. I'm sitting over in the corner. Bring them over. No, no, Father, you ask them. So I said, Okay. I get up. I go over. I said, Come on. You guys think you're so tough. You come over and tell me what you did. Well, this young kid came over to me, and he said, uh, I basically said to him, So what did you do? He said, I did everything. I said, well, I need to be a little bit more specific here. So I said, why are you in here? He said, murder. I went through the Ten Commandments with him. I said, I'll ask you the questions. You tell me the answers. And we got through the whole thing. He did every single one of them. Mm. He's a 14-year-old kid on the streets of New York. And I said to him, I've got two things I want to tell you. I said, first of all, it's tough being a kid, a teenager on the streets of the South Bronx. And the second thing is, God loves you very much. Because one of the things we've learned in the South Bronx, but frankly anywhere, is that we're created by God for two things, to love and to be loved. In fact, the reason why this kid is involved with a gang is because he wants to be loved. Oh, it might sound twisted, but he wants a sense of belonging. I said that to that young kid, and a tear formed in his eye, and you could tell that there was something that moved in his heart. Oh, rough stuff that he had done. But he loves God. Or he knows in that moment that he's loved by God. And so really for us, it's discovering that person within. There are a lot of people involved with vicious gangs and nasty stuff. But I'd be quite frank, I've never met a bad person. And I know yeah. in,
2: in, a, in a life of ministry, you know, when, I'm, mm-hmm. when I think that I'm ministering to somebody else, it's amazing how much that person is actually ministering to me. I mean, you guys Even have got so. to, to receive so, so, much, so yeah. much grace from yeah. this,
0: yeah. this one of One of the reasons why I live and work with the poor is because they keep me honest. You know, they don't have what the world would offer in terms of uh, fast cards and fancy life that really covers up the wounds that all of us experience. They live a reality that is stripped, and that keeps me honest. It keeps me fresh. It keeps me real. And frankly, it's where I experience the presence of God. I experience the love of the Lord from them. They may not necessarily always understand it, but I can perceive it. One of the things that's so important for us as friars working in the streets is we want to, in some respects, be Christ to all and see Christ in all. And in seeing that and experiencing that, you experience an incredible amount of of grace and love back towards yourself.
2: Well, That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing with us. We have so much more to talk about, but first we want to take a little break. But before we do that, I want to remind everyone at home, everyone who's listening, that we have a wonderful website, www.thecatholiccafe.com, that you can visit, find out so much more about this show, find out about all things Catholic. We have lots of links on the website. You can also listen to this show, and you can listen to other shows we've recorded. Uh, You can download those shows as podcasts. You can do all kinds of great stuff there. And you can also contact me, Deacon Jeff, at thecatholiccafe.com. I'd love to hear from you. So with that, we'll be right back after this.
1: I'm Bess Droszymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Just about every family that celebrates Christmas will set up a nativity scene somewhere in their home. But most people are unfamiliar with the origins of this beautiful custom. The solemn tradition of the Christmas creche was started by none other than St. Francis of Assisi in the early 13th century. Just a few short years before his death, St. Francis traveled to Greccio, a small Italian town built on a beautiful mountainside so that he might celebrate Christmas there but because the local church was not near large enough to hold all those who desired to attend Midnight Mass, he sought permission from the Pope to hold Mass in a niche in a mountain wall in the town square. But this Midnight Mass would prove to be quite unique. St. Francis set up the altar in preparation for the solemn occasion. St. Bonaventure, in his work, The Life of St. Francis of Assisi, written just after the death of St. Francis, takes up the story from here. He says... Then he prepared a manger, and brought hay, and an ox, and an ass to the place appointed. The brethren were summoned, the people ran together, the forest resounded with their voices, and that venerable night was made glorious by many and brilliant lights, and sonorous psalms of praise. The man of God, St. Francis, stood before the manger, full of devotion and piety, bathed in tears and radiant with joy. The Holy Gospel was chanted by Francis, the Levite of Christ. Then he preached to the people around the nativity of the poor king, and being unable to utter his name for the tenderness of his love, he called him the Babe of Bethlehem. That would be special enough if the story ended there, but it doesn't. St. Bonaventure then goes on to tell us that a miracle occurred on that cold and clear Christmas morning on the mountainside. After Saint Francis prayed before the tiny wooden manger, a beautiful baby appeared for all to see, sleeping in the manger. It was the Christ child. The entire town and all those pilgrims who had come to celebrate Midnight Mass with Saint Francis were genuinely moved by this miraculous event. Not only that, but, lest anyone in the town should doubt, there were many stories of the miraculous healings that came from touching the hay on which Jesus slept. And so, to this very day, the tradition of the Christmas crash, the nativity scene, is held with great reverence in the homes of Christians throughout the world. I'm Bess Trzezemski, and this is another great moment in church history.
0: Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff.
2: And welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. I'm still Deacon Jeff. haven't changed my name yet. We've got Tom with me and Father Bernard Murphy joining us from the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Father Bernard, let's continue on with where we were. You know, I was going to ask you the next question, and that was going to be, how is your order being received in the neighborhoods in which
0: you were? Sure. Uh, the folks in the neighborhood actually have come to appreciate it. First, they weren't quite sure who we were or what we were about. Uh, but they began to realize that we were there for them, not merely to kind of come in and, you know, kind of give away things, but there to be with them. And because of that, we began to to build a, a neighborhood, a relationship, that, frankly, even includes the cops. You were asking me earlier, how do the cops look at all this? They love it. In fact, the cops on the, the New York City Police Department on Monday evenings comes into our shelter to cook a meal. And I've got to tell you, this is a really it's a great story. One day, we had uh, – it's the Holy Name Society, actually, of the cops. They came in, and the number two guy in the whole of the New York City Police Department comes in. Now, this is Deputy Police Commissioner Grasso, okay? Now, he's got bodyguards <laughs> that travel with him everywhere. <laughs> you need so him around the friars probably. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> Yeah, maybe so, but not in this particular case. Anyway, he shows up in a, in a suburban with smoked windows – and two of his bodyguards get out and walk into, this, into the shelter to check the place out, make sure it's okay, right? Yeah. So in he comes. Now, he's a short little Italian fella, a good fella, in he comes, and he can't cook. Cut an Italian name, but he can't cook, so he has to do the dishes, right? <laughs> so here's the deputy co- police commissioner of the New York City Police Department about to wash dishes for the homeless men in our shelter, okay? Well, we have a woman from the street who basically hangs out, slight mental illness, really a great gal, and she sees him going over towards the dishes and realizes he hasn't washed his hands yet and screams out, You better wash your hands before you touch them dishes! <laughs> <laughs> to which the police commissioner got a jump back. I think his bodyguards, almost most rest of the poor <laughs> lady to the ground, washes his Okay, lady, washes his hands so that he can clean our dishes. and <laughs> The police work very closely with us. And actually, it's caused a relationship where they begin to work in a very humane fashion with these folks in the neighborhood. Well, they see these people as people now. Exactly. And that's a big part of our ministry. You know, when you're dealing with the homeless, when you're dealing with people who are without, oftentimes people who have can get kind of frightened. So if you're you're on the streets of New York and you see a homeless fellow, a panhandler, someone coming towards you, generally people will do one of two things. They'll cross to the other side of the street Mm -hmm. so they can avoid seeing them, or they'll look the other way. And so the people on the street actually become non-persons. And a big part of our ministry, a big part of our work, is restoring the dignity of the human persons. All men and women are created in the image and likeness of God. And we need to bring them to appreciate that in themselves. When you do that, all of a sudden it brings out the best in them. So our shelters, if you came to our shelters in the South Bronx, you'd see that they are very nice, nicely appointed we have, they're small, we don't have too many, they're not big institutional places, there's not a lot of people that come in, we have 18 men in our shelter, we have a nice garden outside with a fountain, it's it's just, it's we, we call them by their first name, we treat them with dignity, we ask them to assist us in some of the services, in fact, some of the guys who get out of the shelter into their own uh, living quarters will come back and cook for the guys who are coming after them, because they realize that this is a place where they can have change, make a change, that they can choose for the better. Why? Because they, t- they begin to recognize that they're loved by God, respected by others, and that dignity of self is restored.
2: Well, let's go back to your order just
0: a little bit. How, how are the vocations and and, and how are there, how is that being, is your order growing? It is. And, and God has been blessing us. Uh, we presently have 17 novices, which for a community of about 125 is a, is a very substantial number. And frankly, I don't think we could take too many more. We have a lot of interest. We have uh, probably about five or 600 uh, candidates who are kind of in touch with us uh, through email and what have you, people who are are considering our way of life. And some people will say, well, what is it about your life that that attracts young vocation? Because of the 125, the median age is 31, which is a little bit unique these days. Uh, And really, I think what it is, is that we seek to be authentic. We want to live what we preach, not just to say it, but to live it. And quite frankly, young people are idealistic. That by temperament, young people have high ideals. And so they don't want you to dumb down to them. They want you to challenge them to, 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 to come higher, to go further. Our, our late Holy Father, and actually the present Holy Father, Benedict XVI, but particularly our late Holy Father, uh, John Paul II, saw this in young people. That was like the whole World Youth Day phenomena where literally millions of young people would gather together in various places around the world uh, on you know uh, every other year, Around the Holy Father, and he could challenge them like no one else could to a standard of life and a way of living that was sacrificial, that was uh, heroic, uh, that was very much for the other person. And frankly, Many of the vocations that we see in our own community and I see in many dioceses and places around the world are are what some people are referring to as the John Paul II generation, young people who are generously giving themselves in places where authentically the life is being lived. Now, I, I, I point that out because I think, to be honest, there are some times where we've kind of maybe lost our way in some respects. You know, there are some folks who who may speak in their literature as to who they are in a particular fashion but are not faithful to living that. For us, as I said earlier, we're very particular about living our intentional Franciscan. We want to be Franciscan. We want to be men who are seeking to live a life of minority, austerity, presence to the poor. And young people are attracted to that.
2: You know, I think people see that integrity. I think they see that and they say, you know what, just be honest with me. I see with my own kids looking at me. It's changed me having children to be responsible sure, to those children. Sure. It's changed me to make me uh, worry about how they perceive me. And so I want to do things honestly. I want to put forth a good effort, and I want them to recognize that. And I'm sure as you see the young people uh, that you guys, not only that you minister to, but the the guys that might be called. Uh, to this life,
0: sure. We it's it's interesting because we actually, as a community, do a lot of work with young people. Uh, we're involved with uh, uh, eucharistically oriented youth retreats called Youth 2000, and they have various variations on that around the country. And literally, there'll be hundreds of young people that will come for a weekend retreat. Now, a lot of people will say, "Look at you, you know." I mean, I realize on radio you can't see me, but. I, I, I got a habit. You know, I got a big bushy beard. You know, I'm 6'5", so I'm quite the present. Uh, the we president. can attest to this. We can see me sitting right across from us. I can assure you when I walk down the streets of New York, people will take a good look. Uh, there's a statement. <laughs> there's a witness that, that's taking place. Well, you know, a lot of young people will look at us and they say, you're making a statement. I had a very interesting experience once. I was up in Boston, not too far from Harvard Square, in a place called The Pit. Harvard Pit. It's very close to the metro system. And I was there with about five or six friars. We were visiting some friends and we were walking past the the pit. And in the pit were a bunch of kids who were all punked out, you know, spiked hair and and in the goth, you know, mm-hmm. and and we're walking by, and all of a sudden they start screaming out, Hey, toga party! Toga party! <laughs> and I thought, Oh, my goodness, what is this? Well, we had we have a friar who is 6'8", from England, and he used to be involved with the punk culture, and he stops me and says, Father, can we go back and talk to them? And I'm thinking, Oh, no. And then I thought, Well, what would St. Francis do? He talked to them. So back we go, and we get down into the pit, and we're sitting there talking to these kids all punked out. And actually it was a great conversation. At one point, one of the kids... Uh, says to us, why are you dressed like that? And we said, well, it's, we're bearing witness to a truth and the whole bit. And I thought, that gave me a license to ask them. I said, why are you punked out like this? And why are you into this gothing, you know, black clothes and powdery face? And you know what he said to me? He looked me straight in the eye and he says, you don't know? I said, no. He says, your Holy Father knows? I said, John Paul too." He says, yeah, he knows. He says, we're just trying to live what the world is really about, and that's a culture of death. He says society is living a culture of death, and we want to call out, we want to bear witness to it. We want to be a a, a kind of a a witness to the madness out there. That's, That's scary and profound at the same time. It is. It is, because you realize at that point that these young people, they can recognize something that's real, something that's not, something that's genuine, something that's fake, and they can experience kind of the, 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 the incredible cover-up in our society. It's so important for us, particularly as Catholic Christians, to bear witness to truth, to live the faith, to live it in such a way that we bear witness to others what we believe, not to just to speak about it, not just to, to kind of give our money so someone else can do it, but to do it ourselves. And young people in a particular way are attracted to that. And it brings them. Into life, it brings them into a reality, it brings them into an alternative to the, to the madness of the world that they so clearly perceive, well, Father, we appreciate you being here so much. This is
2: so beautiful, and and what you say is uh, it is the truth, and I love mm-hmm. hearing the truth proclaimed uh, in all forms and fashion, and especially there in your gray robes and your long beard. it sounds great <laughs> it sounds great to me and, I, and, 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 I, and we wish the best for your order uh, and, 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 uh, you, and have it to grow and flourish. Uh, in fact, I'm sure that some of our listeners might be interested in finding out more about the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. And I know they can go to your website, which is www.franciscanfriars.com, uh, and they can find out more. W- would that be where they'd go if they want to uh, find out more about the possibility of vocations or just to volunteer? Absolutely. all, all Maybe to inf- donate?
0: All of the information is there. Uh- our way of life, articles on us. There's videos on us. There are articles from the New York Times on us because we did some music. And they call you guys us, are rock stars. They call us the the, the monks that play <laughs> funk. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Very it's <good>. all there. <laughs> You've got a lot to live up to now, don't there you? There you go. Well, thank
2: you again for being here uh, with us in the luxurious corner booth at the Catholic Cafe.
0: Thank you, Deacon Jeff, and thank you, Tom.
2: Well, let's close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Heavenly Father, through the witness of St. Francis of Assisi, you call each of us to love you by loving others. Grant us the humility of heart and simplicity of spirit that will enable us to truly become a channel of your peace. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Café.